2: Hey, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. This is Authentically You, and I am Dr. Himmer with my wife, Sherry Himmer, and you're listening to Society Bites Radio. For the next 25 minutes, we're going to have a blast. We're just going to talk about some fun things that will help you heal from the inside out. Just keep in mind as we go through this process that our entire impetus, the way we talk about things, the way we address it, is that you are 100, we are, I am. 100% 100% responsible for my happiness, joy, and well-being. So let's go from there, babe. What are we going to talk about?
0: So in that responsibility for our own joy and well-being, often those who are working so hard and so diligently, they're practicing, and they're becoming more self-aware of themselves and on themselves, that with their close loved one, their spouse, their partner, it feels harder than it even did before. And it almost feels like that person's sabotaging them and trying to trip them up mm. in their best efforts. Mm. So how do you deal with a sabotaging loved one?
2: You know, it's interesting because I don't always get the luxury of having, a, let's say, a husband and wife come in for coaching. The challenge is, is when only one comes in. Right. So, so it's, it's not unusual. And, yeah. and lest we stereotype, it is not always just the female coming in. It's just as normal for the man, the husband, to come in and the wife not want to. So there are really interesting dynamics when you've got that going on. I think it'd be helpful, um, Sherry, if we first defined prediction. So we are very clear as to what prediction error is as we move forward on how how do you work at this very dynamic position of a prediction error going on with a couple. Okay. So would you be kind enough to read that?
0: A prediction error is an accurate mo- mental model of your world. A prediction error is not a problem when one is open to further input and then makes an adjustment. It is how one learns. Your brain uses predictions to initiate body movement, and the movement happens before cognition, cognitive awareness.
2: So prediction error is what invites in either your biased scientist or the responsible scientist. you're you're at a tipping point right you're from trigger to flood Mm -hmm. again the critical aspect of learning how to interrupt and in two two podcasts from now we're going to actually talk about trigger busters how do you interrupt yourself moving into a flooded position that's the most dynamic of all
0: so a spouse is working on themselves and then they get this idea that it's going to be easier and this person's gonna see their changes and welcome their changes and right. and, and it's, this expectation gets elevated in the scenario that all is going to quickly my problems are going to go away, they're going to think I'm wonderful and sometimes it actually gets harder. Why is that?
2: It's very common for um, a spouse, let's say I'm coaching the husband for argument's sake, um, and the husband will come back a week or two or three weeks later, you know, and having worked on a lot of things because each one gets a homework. And the, the, the husband will say, no matter what I do, no matter how I, she doesn't have any idea how hard I'm trying just to make small changes. Every time I make the smallest of, of change, she just cuts my, my legs up from underneath me or she'll tell me how bad I'm doing. Worse. This is the challenging one. The husband, and again, it doesn't matter if it's husband or wife. The husband will share with the wife what he's learning, mm-hmm. these principles, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say that uh, no unsolicited opinions okay. for the next you know week. That your job is to have a flippant conversation, and you're not to offer any kind of opinions but in there. I
0: Meaning frequent,
2: low risk, personal, positive, and neutral. Okay. So let's say the husband's homework was to have flippant conversations As with the means wife
0: to rebuild
2: which is the entire purpose behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts the process, but teaches her his wife. Okay, babe, what I'm going to do this week with you, with the children, is I'm going to have flipping conversations. So he's he comes home from work. He's had a long day. His boss just slammed him. And mm-hmm. he's really, he's on the end wits end. He has a moment where he slips and he says something to his wife that isn't neutral she typically does is she'll jump on his case and say, see, you're not doing it at all. Why do we even think you could possibly do this? You're right back where you were before. It takes about a 10 to 1 ratio, 10 positives to overcome the negative. And she's not letting him change. Right. So, so that
0: goes back to a story we did a couple of, um, about Heidi and Larry. Mm. And Larry created this day where without being triggered, did everything on the honey do list.
2: Right. He and actually created uh, an addition to his honey do list from what the wife gave him.
0: Right. And and by the time they got to the end of the day, she's pretty much undermined all of his good efforts.
2: And is now becoming cognitively aware of it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing: is it starts out subconsciously. They just undermine them without thinking about it. So there's no maliciousness intended. That needs to be understood.
0: Right.
2: They're not trying to make it harder. They're simply in collusion. They're doing exactly what they need to to get the opposite result that they want. That's collusion.
0: And anyways, by the end of the day, she's drained of energy, Hmm. trying to figure it all out. And he's exhausted his reserves.
2: But he's, he's exhausted physically. But if you remember, he did what he said he was going to do.
0: And be satisfying that he's being 100% responsible, and emotionally he's in a good
2: space. And in that day, he was happy. His behavior was congruent um, with his stated goals.
0: But it's such a, you know, just this mystery that it's not coming out in the bottle of what maybe Larry would have expected. Uh The happy evening in the end isn't really what maybe he would hope for. I,
2: I think I'd like to make a comment here on when you, if you're the one in that position, if you're the one who's in a lifelong learning position and you say, look, I do have a few things that I'm aware of now, so I want to make changes in these, that you're not doing it for the sake of another person.
0: You're not doing it for the sake of changing them.
2: Or from getting affirmation that you're changing.
0: Right.
2: The minute you need the affirmation that you're making the change, you're just you're engaging your codependent addiction
0: so let's go back to that sabotaging loved one and why they tend to look like a saboteur for the others all best efforts it has to do with initial expectations we live with sets of expectations
2: right Right. there's a i've i've coined these uh, expectation a and b it's just
0: this is our second time
2: um, so let's review again what expectation a is versus expectation b so expectation a
0: Based on the past, it's the credit report of someone's past behavior, and it's how it's always been.
2: So what happened? So remember the boxes story, where I mm-hmm. came in the room and I said, "Hey Sherry, when?" And I meant in my mind's eye, and I I thought I said it, but maybe not. When can I put the boxes back into the pantry? Mm-hmm. What you heard was what? When can we put the boxes back into the pantry? Which is code for
0: when are you going to put the boxes back in the pantry? Right. So. When a spouse is making changes like Harry and Heidi and Larry, um, Heidi is still basing off of expectation A. Which, right. Well, this is how it's always going to be. Even though he's behaving differently, they don't even see the change.
2: That's where it starts. They don't even see. Now, let's just argue for a second that Larry continues doing this for a month's time. And in, by, the, by, by the way, in this case study, Heidi recognized it by the end of she saw it, and she realized what she was doing. So there was a, it moved from subcortical to conscious awareness. So what happens at that point in time? Now her awareness is raised, but she doesn't seem to have the ability remember, knowledge is not power, right. to make any, any she meaningful doesn't know
0: what to do with that. New She's
2: experience. lost in that right. So what we want to do is understand what happens in that space, and this is called expectation B. Expectation B is all based on perception.:
0: It's based on the future. And it could be an immaculate perception, <clears throat> mm-hmm. premeditated resentment, self-induced frustration. Let's move off of
2: that again. Perfection. Premeditated resentment. We don't realize that when we're stuck in the way it is and we're not willing to question assumptions, when our biased scientists are completely eradicating all other data points, that's premeditated. I'm already, I already know how you're going to act. And therefore, I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be reactive, which isn't accurate. It's a prediction error.
0: Yes, or a projection.
2: Yeah. And so she was projecting on her husband a behavior that she herself was engaged in. When she kept sabotaging him and telling him, no, no, no. She was shooting him down right and left.
0: I think sometimes that love these changes. They think, well, this is temporary. This isn't going to last. So I'm not even accepted in
2: the moment. Okay, so I want to uh rehearse the story here that you understand it takes a while for healing to happen yeah. my goal at one point in time in our marriage was to get to the point where you trusted that you would share a story with me of frustration
3: mm-hmm.
2: so i remember um when you were going through a series of real frustrating times not only with family but with, uh, with the, projects, the, the, choir. the choir but it precipitated with the family because you came up to me one day and i remember you said rich are you aware that I'm not sharing with you like I used to. And I remember thinking in my mind's eye, I have no idea what she's talking about, but I need to act cool right now. <laughs> so I said, yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. And I, I I just was completely flammoxed. And you said, it's because I don't trust. No, you didn't use those words. You said, I don't feel safe because you're always trying to fix everything and you're always telling me what I should do. Now, in my from my perspective, Sherry, I was getting angry at you because you weren't taking a pad and pencil and writing down my great suggestions. They were clearly exactly what you needed to hear. So my my prediction. So I don't know where I read it, heard it or whatever, but I vowed that I would say the following things until I got it fixed. And that was every time you started telling me a story, I say, Sherry, am I listening or am I salt?
0: And actually, that can be attributed to John Lund. Okay. Yes, we heard him explain that that's a good way for you to just interrupt that process uh-huh. and find out
2: from the others. Dr. Lund wrote a book called How to Hug a Porcupine.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah, Anyhow, Another, among and other ones. You're yeah.
0: Dealing with other toxic personalities. Yeah. Right.
2: Great, great man. But anyway, I, I remember I, would, I said, I'm going to do this. And so the next time you asked, you started talking about something. And I believe it was when we were in the middle of this mess, um, when you when it came out that you actually wanted me to solve. But years before that, I started saying, am I listening or am I solving? It took two years of me asking that question for two years before you ever relented. So I remember saying, Sherry, am I listening or am I solving? And you would look at me matter of factly and say, you're listening. You're listening. you're listening that's for two for two years tell but what happened was when I started listening I realized that listening wasn't being quiet listening was being engaged listening was learning how to ask another question based upon something that you had said so if you said well the, the parents of the students are doing X I would ask a question based upon the statement you had just made mm-hmm. that's listening and the next time you brought it up, I already had data that I had kept. And I, so I could then ask another question based upon the data. So I was involved in, in the, the story. story.
0: Yes, very much.
2: Too often, and this is stereotypical, where the, the wife has a lot more words to say than the man. He thinks listening is just being quiet and just going, huh uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. but she knows.
2: It drives her nuts. Well, he doesn't know what he, that he's ticking her off even more. So she says more words, hoping that more words will penetrate his the, veneer the of, of yeah. isolation, right? Yeah. So I do remember what happened. So we're driving along, and um, we were heading down from the high school on Rosedale. And mm-hmm. you were talking about the challenges of getting this Meister Singer event down to Disneyland off the ground. And I said, okay, Sherry, am I listening or am I solving? And you looked at me, I remember because it was kind of getting dark and you said, Rich, I need you to solve. And I just about drove off the road. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do now? And this is a nanosecond thing. I said, oh, she wants me to solve. It means I have to actually have a solution up until now for two years. I had programmed myself not to find a solution. There's something critical. If I'm not programmed to try to find a solution. I can be neutral in the questions that I ask.
0: And you can actually be listening.
2: But if I think I already know, so moms and dads, when your child asks you something, which they usually won't because they're peer-centric, not parent-centric, you already know the answer. How neutral can you be if you already see the end before the beginning?
0: You can't listen when you are running through a take through your brain that is having a comeback, that is... That's, oh, I've got a better plan for you. I've got the answer for all your problems and all your mistakes that you're telling me about. You're not only listening, you're listening to yourself. That's
2: a fun aha. At least it was for me. Because then I said, okay, you want me to solve? I don't know what to do with that right now. But I remember just going back to my MO, a new MO for two years. And i kept asking you questions and i asked you more questions when we got to the parking lot to our destination you kind of turned your whole body and emphatically said no i want your opinion and i said i don't think i'd do anything different than what you've done i think you've handled that marvelously i don't know how you felt and it would be nice to oh it felt great it
0: felt genuine it was very authentic and and it's great
2: but I, I felt like I was on cloud nine.
0: Because you really were partnering with me in
2: that. And what you had done probably exceeded what I thought could have been done. Because the advice I would have given you didn't have all the data. That's what made it so fun. I had, that was probably a six month, three to six month deal that you went through with those. Yeah, I think signals. it was
0: six months of this was
2: a long planning,
0: planning of a project for the cloud and then the project got shut down and it was how to deal with it and where to go next to, right, to create right. the right solution for the
2: Yeah, but I felt really comfortable in my space now with my wife, who now looks at me that I could even solve, but that the reality of solving was to ask you more questions. Well,
0: and the other big change is instead of being an adversarial, feeling like, oh, I'm just gonna get thrown out your opinions and you're gonna get heated up about the situation, yeah. like I could invite you in to truly solve. And not muddy waters that I'm really struggling
2: with. Well, you had said something to me two years earlier. Um, I remember standing in the walk-in closet. And you said, when I I tell you a problem I have, I'm not telling you because I don't think I can handle it. I'm telling you because I need someone to talk to. I need a sounding board. I need someone to resonate back to me. And so uh, an effective listener, an active listener, doesn't sit there and shut down and be quiet. That person needs to reflect back what's going on. So when I'd ask you a question based on the answer you gave, it was my way of reflecting to you, you just said X, are you aware of what you just said and what's the implication, what does that word mean or what did that mean when you said this over here? That's effective listening. So we wanna, in in the minutes that we've got left here, we'd like to invite a friend in this. Ruth's been our camera person, she's my assistant. But I met Ruth, golly, Ruth, how long did we meet? Um, three and a half years ago. And we were chatting about this the other day and Ruth made a comment to us that we thought was so funny that we, um, we want to invite her in on this discussion as we finish it off. So let me set it up. Um, Ruth, Ruth came to me and, and we were working on some family dynamics in this one particular aspect. And uh, if you can, uh, you can tell them what we were trying to accomplish and then what the solution was, and then how long it took. That would be interesting.
3: Okay. Are we the hands of the spouses? No, no the it's just the, the children. children.
2: Okay. The children, yeah. All
3: right. So <clears throat> Richard introduced to me the, the concept of flipping one day when I was uh, loud with complaining about my relationship with my children that I was doing all of these things to change my behavior, and they just they weren't getting it.
2: So I'm going to re- refresh everyone listening. Flippin' is F-L-P-P-N frequent, low risk, personal, positive and neutral. The entire purpose behind it is to have these conversations so you can establish or re-establish trust and respect in the space.
3: Yeah, I didn't even know of the concept of trust and respect in the relationship. So it was a new thing for me. And Richard asked me, what, what did I feel most? And my biggest fear was that I would have a relationship with my children was like what i had with my father which was not so i committed that day that i would uh, incorporate this acronym and i would wait until one of them responded with either some kind of reciprocation some kind of a question
2: so you you wait means you wouldn't
3: i wouldn't ask i would not offer any opinion i wouldn't give any information about me i would not make the story the question the, the situation anything about me.
2: Okay, so if I'm your your son, for example, that means in the relationship heretofore, what did that dynamic look like between you and I'm your son?
3: I would ask him a question, and then before he even got to answer, I would follow up with my thoughts on it, Hmm. or I would uh, start telling a story about me, or he would start a story about him, and I would say, that reminds me about me. Ah. And so every encounter with them was always... And to be fair to myself, I was trying to create a relationship. You know, we were taught, you know, build on common ground, right? Common belief, common experience. So I thought that if I could relate to him from my point of view, then we would, you know, would connect.
2: So if you could tell a story that you experienced that was right. similar to his, that somehow that would connect it,
0: exactly. to it. Exactly. Okay. That would so, really experience dangerous side of relating right where relating is taking the energy of the conversation away from the other person and putting it back to yourself exactly. so you made that change and what happened so i did that i set out
3: uh conversations now my children were 15 to 20 years of age at this point and there's four
2: four children four so. kids,
3: two boys two girls right. one goes two girls two boys and uh I started that very day that we talked about it. I went home, wrote in my journal what my game plan was, how I was going to approach it, and I started the calendar. And 18, month, I mean, yeah, 18 months, 23 days, and nine hours later, <laughs> one child gave me one response said something. I asked him a question. It was my youngest, Jacob. I asked him a question, and he turned to me and he said, Mom, what do you think? And I, if I had been driving, I would have run off the road. But uh, as it was, I'm like, I'm going to need a minute. Then, so, literally, I had to I had to regroup. I had no idea how to even respond to the question anymore because <laughs> I'd done so long. Anyway, my relationship with my children now is not anything. Like I have with my father who well, do not have one with him.
2: And, I'm going to uh, stop here just for a second. So let's make sure we got clarity here. This is a mother of four children. Mother and, ch- and children love each other. So yes. we're not arguing that. Um, but what had happened in the space was for their lifestyle, so their lifetime, 15 years to 20. 20, so one and a half to two decades of experiences are that when I talk to mom, and notice we're not even putting the father into the story, right. when I talk to mom, and according to our definition, there's not safe space. Right. So she will give us, there's questions that are not asked to be answered.
3: Yeah, there's one other really key element that I don't think I've ever said, and that was on the day that I started, I had dinner with all the children and I had said to myself two things. One, I would make no promises. I would not say mm. I would not declare what it was I was doing. period. So you don't I set yourself up. I didn't set myself up. Addicts
2: do that a lot, don't right, they? Yes. they? say I'll never drink I'll again, never I'll do again. Again. yeah right
3: yeah. And the second was I affirmed them. I said, I know all of you love me. There is no push in my mind you show it every day, I you know, I appreciate that. And I said, but I know none of you respect me or trust me. Mm-hmm. And to a man, they all said, you're right, Mom, we don't, flat out, we don't trust you. Or they didn't argue,
2: you. they didn't.
3: Nope, they didn't justify they it. Didn't, they didn't try to make me feel better. They just said, no. Oh, <laughs>
2: She's brutal. We, yeah, and
3: they're like, <laughs> we have
0: no trust and respect. And I was like, yeah. So your ground zero starting so, that day with them was based on truth. Oh yeah. There's they, love, but not trust they, and respect. Yeah. And, and then you they, were out to build it and it took eighteen, 18 months, months. Yeah. until you started to see the fruits of that. Yeah.
2: Not and just then, eighteen months.
0: Yeah.
2: Eighteen months and twenty three days. That's <laughs> almost nine nineteen months and, uh, and nine
0: hours. hours. And then that was the first one. How long did you have a
3: second response in the uh, Sarah was the next one and it was a good eight to nine weeks later this was the first mm-hmm. one that kind of tipped it and then and then from that point on Joe and Rachel just they were pretty much
0: so it's interesting because it took about two years yeah for, for that yeah. to happen in our marriage and you were about that 18 month two year time span as well I, we don't know the answer it's yeah, there's an not an enough data to make it scientific no, it's not, but right. an interesting pattern and at least sets you up an expectation if you're making changes Make in them a for relationship, you. make them for you yeah. and don't hold <clears throat> your loved ones hostage to, you know, praising you or even being reciprocal in a, a time frame, you know, earlier than two years. So,
2: and we want, to, we want to kind of build on that one and maybe we'll, we'll carry this over into the next podcast. But the idea there is when you make changes, you're making them for yourself. And if you want to build on that one with your loved one, let's say a spouse, You invite the spouse into your space and not force them. You don't demand them. You don't have expectations that they're going to. That spouse will self-select in or out. There will be an invitation, and I've seen it work both ways. So they may not do anything now, but when they see the results, just from the effort alone, if you can maintain the course and you don't get pulled off the course, so keep the good scientist involved, learn how to interrupt the flood, you know, there's lots of tipping points, I think, in our relationship, Sherry, where if I had not learned to interrupt this family tradition of isolating, you know, where would we be today? You know, maybe we're still living on the same roof, roof, but are we operating off?
0: Would we be experiencing the death of, that
2: right, to right. this
0: day? And that's our children's thing as well. So
2: what's our takeaways from today, you guys? Well,
0: it's, it's really, I think, Shifting that expectation of when you're doing great and making changes, you don't you're, you're doing it for yourself, and you're not going to make prediction errors and throw them out there for your loved one. Right. Um,
2: so, Ruth, what would your takeaway be if what if you had to give someone just a piece of advice in, in a short amount of time?
0: Yeah,
3: that would be that patience, uh, retakes and mistakes, and the prediction errors don't reverse that. Don't become a prediction error that that
0: other person is always going to
2: respond a certain way. Oh, good point. That's that interrupt we're talking about. Learning how to interrupt, and we'll get to that in a couple weeks. It's
0: really being open-minded for yourself and others.
2: Right. Yeah, starting with self. Right. Critical. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Authentically You on Society Bites Radio. We're out of time, so if you have any comments, questions, or you want to contact us, please reach out at coach at com. Remember, all resources are within you. The challenges that you have are perfect. They're exactly now what you need at this time to come closer to your God and to it within yourself. Perfect is down, a mistake that gets a return. We'll see you next I'm week.
0: The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online.
1: I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com.
0: Next is Mary. When she wanted answers,
1: she picked up the phone.
0: I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally,
1: Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com